0: Well, good morning, St. Paul's. Uh, Welcome to our 14th week now of live stream service. And I want to start this morning with a very special announcement, uh, which is that next week we are planning on reconvening to worship together in the same physical space. (laughs) So um, I hope that you are as excited about that as I am. I'm looking forward to Uh, seeing your faces rather than speaking at a little camera. Um, Now, you may have a lot of questions about how exactly that is going to work. Um, Keith and I and the board are taking care to try to mitigate risk as much as possible. Uh, We also understand that some of you may not be comfortable uh, meeting yet, and that's okay. We don't want you to feel pressured. Uh, We plan on doing what we can to continue to provide a live stream uh, of the service. So um, there will still be a live stream next week if all goes as we hope, Um, but it'll just be uh, from where our physical service will be taking place. So what we're doing to mitigate risk is we're actually going to be holding service outside. So we're going to be holding it at the millworks, um, but it will be in the parking lot which is behind the mural that was uh, painted just this last year um, and next to the lake. And uh, you'll be, you should be receiving an email this week that explains exactly uh, how that all is going to work, where to park, how to get to that spot safely. Um, we're asking everyone if you can to bring something to sit on, uh, like a lawn chair or something like that. And uh, we prefer if you bring a mask as well. We're gonna try to keep six feet of distance from each other. And uh, we're gonna be doing some other things to help mitigate risk as well. Um, but I think it'll be fun to be outside, to be able to see each other again uh, and worship in person. So if you are on our mailing list, you should be getting uh, an email about that this week with more instructions. And if you're not on, your, on our mailing list, we encourage you to uh, email Keith at stpaulswire.org and he can add you uh, to the list. Um, uh, I see that it says Facebook on there. Announcement on there. Too. Oh, yeah. There will be an announcement on Facebook as well. <laughs> so um, if you have any questions, just uh, email uh, Keith or myself and we'll get back to you. Uh, also, uh, Steve, I, I noticed that you said Happy Father's Day, and I suddenly thought, oh, shoot, I forgot to get my dad anything. Um, if you had that same reaction, actually Father's Day is on the 21st. So you can wish your father a happy Father's Day today, um, but the actual day is in a week. So I know Steve's intentions were good, um, but uh, yeah, we checked that fact check and it's actually on the 21st. Uh, So I hope that last week you uh, were able to hear Mike DiStefano's really great message. Uh, If you missed it, I encourage you to go back sometime this week and find it in our video feed or our podcast. Uh, But this week, we are continuing in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to make your way to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1. So Matthew 6, starting in verse 1. And as you make your way there, let me say a quick prayer for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for a beautiful morning. Uh, We thank you for this chance to be together as a community from a distance. And uh, Lord, we thank you for sustaining us during this time of of distancing. And um, Lord, we just pray this morning we would be open to hear from you. Uh, God, help us to focus our attention on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew 6, verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. All right, that's just the very beginning of the passage. But before we move any forward, I, before we move forward, I feel like this one verse deserves some some comments. In order to help us understand what Jesus is saying here, I think we need to go back and look at a verse that we looked at about five weeks ago. You might remember that five weeks ago, uh, we, we talked about when Jesus says that we are supposed to be salt and light in the world. And you might remember that he says in uh, chapter 5, verse 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. Now, at first glance, doesn't that sound contradictory to what we just read in Matthew 6.1? Matthew 6.1, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So what do we do about this? Well, clearly... In Matthew 6, 1, Jesus cannot be telling us that all of our good deeds should be so secretive and hidden that nobody notices them. Jesus wants us to live in such a way that other people see the way we live, and then they say, wow, God is real, and God is good. Um, You know, we can't have a light that shines if it is always hidden. That's the point of those passages, those verses in chapter 5. But then how do we explain this verse that we're looking at now? Well, the key is that little phrase, to be seen by them, to be seen by them. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. He doesn't say, be careful never to do your righteous acts in front of people, right? But be careful not to do your righteous acts for this reason, right? Jesus is addressing our internal motivation, for doing the things that we do. We're supposed to let our light shine so that people praise God. We're not supposed to let our light shine so that people praise us, right? That's the wrong motivation. There's a, uh, there's a pejorative term that I hear being used a lot these days, virtue signaling. If we were all together in person, I would ask you to raise your hand if you've heard this phrase, virtue signaling. And what that phrase refers to is when we express a virtue or a particular viewpoint, primarily because we want approval from certain people. Uh, So for example, imagine that you are a high school boy and you have a crush on a girl uh, in your class, Um, and then you realize that this girl is a huge environmentalist. You're not an environmentalist, you don't care about any of that stuff, but you realize this is the kind of girl who is gonna lie down in front of a bulldozer if someone is gonna try to knock down a forest. And so then you go on social media and you start sharing articles about global warming and saving the whales and all that sort of thing. And then you wait and hope that she'll notice. Okay, that's virtue signaling. And what Jesus is saying is that virtue signaling is not real righteousness. It's not real virtue. If we're saying certain things, uh, espousing certain things, just because we're looking for approval or praise, or even a sense of belonging, that's not healthy. Now, that said, I want to be clear about something. We have to be careful about judging whether someone is virtue signaling or not. Just because somebody expresses a virtue doesn't mean that they're doing it only because they want approval. They may very well be doing it because they believe that it is important uh, to to express that virtue. And so we should be very slow to judge. And I say that because I hear a lot of people these days accusing other people of virtue signaling when they really don't have enough information to, to To know what's in that person's heart, right? So we have to be very careful about making that kind of accusation. But you and I do have a responsibility to search our own hearts, right? We don't have a responsibility to judge other people's hearts, but we do have a responsibility to search our own. Why do we advocate for the causes that we advocate for? Why do we preach the things that we preach? Why do we express the virtues that we express? Is it out of a love for truth and justice and God? Or is it really because we want to be liked by certain people? Is it because we have a desire for approval and status and being pat on the back by the right people? Or is it because we wanna have a sense of self-righteousness because we want to be liked by ourselves? Is it so that we can protect our financial interests? This passage should inspire us to ask these kinds of questions about ourselves. Because when virtue signaling becomes more important to us than actual virtue, that is very unhealthy and it can lead to a lot of problems both in the society at large and in our relationship with God. So let's keep reading in the passage. Uh, Jesus gives us some examples of first century virtue signaling. Uh, Continuing in verse two. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then just skip ahead a little bit to uh, verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus brings up three common spiritual practices, three spiritual disciplines, giving to the needy, prayer, and fasting. And these are all good things to do, right? Jesus doesn't discourage us from doing these these things. In fact, notice he doesn't say if you give to the needy or uh, if you pray or if you fast, he says when you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast, he expects that his disciples are gonna do these things, right? So these are very important disciplines. He's not discouraging us doing them at all, but he's saying that if we practice these disciplines, primarily for the sake of virtue signaling, primarily as a way of gaining approval, praise, and status, then we're doing them wrong. And there is no reward for them. I think this is something that we really need to hear, especially in the culture, the time that we're living in right now. Because now, more than ever, we can be seen. right when the hypocrites that Jesus is talking about here, when they were living in the first century, if they wanted to be seen, they had to go to a physical place like the temple or the synagogue and show off there, right? But now through social media, through the internet, we can be seen and promote ourselves to be seen 24 seven, right? Now, because of social media, we can be seen by a bigger audience uh, than ever before without even leaving our homes. And not only that, but there are very simple, clear ways that people can express their approval of what we say, right? You can hit the Facebook like button, or you can double tap the heart on Instagram, or you can retweet a tweet, right? Um, So never before in the history has the average person been able to be seen and been able to receive approval, pats on the back, et cetera, in a more clear way uh, than today. I bet that if the hypocrites that Jesus talks about here were around today, they would probably have very active social media accounts. You know, I can imagine them posting their journals about fasting with pictures and everything, daily updates, maybe Facebook Live, uh, updates where they look really tired and maybe they've added some makeup to their faces so that their their cheeks are sunken in and their their coloring is all ashen and they'll talk about suffering for the Lord and how everybody else is so fleshly and carnal and then wait for people to be impressed by them, you know. I really think that if they were alive today, that's the sort of thing uh, that they would be doing. So the world that we live in today, it affords us all these opportunities to be seen, to do our righteous acts before others, and to virtue signal. And so we really need to pay very close attention to Jesus's words here and take them to heart. I don't know if you're the kind of person who cares a lot about what other people think of you. Uh, Some of us care more than others. I would say almost nobody cares about what everybody thinks about them, but pretty much all of us care about what certain people think about us, right? Maybe we really want approval from a certain group of friends. Maybe we really want approval from the people that we work with. Uh, Maybe we really want approval from people on the uh, political left or people on the political right. Maybe we really want approval from people in our family. Now, of course, it's not wrong to feel some desire for approval. It's not wrong to want to be appreciated. Uh, It's not wrong to uh, want to feel like uh, we have a place where we belong. These are these are normal human desires. But when our desire for those things becomes too strong, that can be very dangerous. Basically, when our desire for those things becomes an idol, uh, when it becomes more important to us than truth and justice and and God's will, uh, then we're on very, very dangerous ground. Um, You know, what happens if our longing for approval from a certain group is, is really strong, but that group is doing something wrong? Uh, What happens uh, when the group we want approval from is failing to recognize certain things that are true. If our desire for approval is strong enough, then we will deny the truths that we don't like. You know, if our desire for approval is strong enough, we'll defend that group's sins rather than call for repentance. You know, if every time that I prepare a sermon, my main concern is whether all of you approve of what I say, then I'm not really doing my job, right? Because my job is to do the best I can to teach what the scriptures say and to proclaim that truth, right? Um, And if I get too focused on approval then my ability to do my job is is jeopardized. And really, you shouldn't even trust what I say. Uh, Or let's envision an even more disturbing scenario. What if every time I prepared a sermon, my main concern was whether or not uh, what I said would be approved by those who donate the most money to the church? Would I be trustworthy then? No, of course not. And of course, this is just a theoretical scenario. In fact, I am making a point actually to not know uh, who is giving to the church and who's not, because uh, I certainly don't want that to affect the way that I do anything. Um, and I don't have any reason to believe that those who do give money to the church would want me to compromise my convictions. Just want to be clear about that. But the point I'm making is that if my primary concern becomes approval, then that can lead to sacrificing truth, sacrificing conviction, and the way I like to put it is that the love of approval, when it becomes too high, it can cut us off from doing what is right and believing what is true. The love of approval, when it becomes too high, can cut us off from doing what is right and believing what is true, and that's one of the reasons why Jesus is taking it so seriously here, These hypocrites, they just care too much about what everybody thinks. And we have to be so careful not to let our desire for approval, status, and recognition eclipse our desire to do what's right. We have to love justice and truth and God more than what other people think about us. Now, this leads to the question, how do we cultivate a faith that cares more about actual virtue than about virtue, virtue signaling uh, in the world that we're in right now. Well, let's look again at what Jesus says. Uh, when it comes to giving to the needy, he says, don't announce your charity giving with trumpets. Do it in such a way that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. And that's an expression that basically means, make it secret, keep it hidden. And then with prayer, he says, stop making your prayer a show, right? You're not supposed to be praying to an audience. I'm sure all of us have known people who they go to pray and maybe they're really actually saying things to everyone around them rather than actually talking to God. Um, Prayer is not supposed to be a show. Yes, there's a place for public prayer. Absolutely. But it's not supposed to be a performance. And so Jesus says, when you're praying to God, he says, go into your room and close the door. And something interesting that I learned this week is that in Jesus's day, people didn't really have rooms in their houses the way that we have now. Um, There's just kind of be one big room. And so when Jesus says, go into your room, he actually probably means the storeroom. That's the only part of the house that would be behind a door. So it's kind of like he's saying, go and pray in your pantry, Hmm. which you know, if someone tells you go and pray in your pantry, you know, what they're basically saying is do what you can to find some place that you can be to be alone and to talk to God. Even if you have to go to kind of desperate lengths, that's what you you should do. And then, of course, uh, with fasting, Jesus says, don't try to show off that you're fasting. Try to hide the fact that fasting. Put a little bit of extra work into your appearance so that you don't look tired and hungry and and worn out. And what I want us to, to recognize is that in all three of these examples, Jesus is saying that there is supposed to be a private dimension to our faith. There is supposed to be a private dimension to our faith. Now, yes, of course, there's supposed to be a public dimension. Let your light shine before men but there is also supposed to be a private dimension. And the public dimension does not thrive without the private dimension too. You know, there should be prayers that we pray when no one else is listening. There should be good deeds that we do even when there's no one to pat us on the back for them. There should be seen righteousness in our lives, but there should also be unseen righteousness. There should be expressions of our faith that can't be found on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, expressions of our faith uh, that don't take place within church walls or within a small group, expressions of our faith that nobody can compliment us for, that nobody can be impressed by because no one knows about them. And we really can't have a healthy faith without that private dimension uh, being part of it. Here's an analogy, I'm sure all of us would recognize, whether we are married or not, uh, that you can't have a healthy marriage if your relationship only exists in public places. You know, imagine if uh, you were married but you never spent time alone with your spouse. It's just whenever you went somewhere, somewhere, you had them tag along so you could say to other people, this is my wife or, or this is my husband. Would that be a healthy relationship? of course it wouldn't be a healthy relationship and it wouldn't be likely to last very long right if you don't have a private relationship with your significant other you don't have a good relationship and um this is just me getting on my soapbox a little bit um i i don't i don't watch the bachelor or the bachelorette but i know that those are sort of cultural phenomenons right now And I mean, if you watch those shows, look, we can still be friends. But honestly, there's something about those shows that just deeply offends me uh, because they're taking a relationship that can only uh, be healthy if it has a private dimension and then making it extraordinarily public, right? And so I always look at that just kind of with disgust. I'm like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. It it reminds me of the hypocrites that Jesus is talking about, praying on the street corners and showing off, like showing off their relationship with God and and, and having that public relationship, but not really having that that private relationship or making the public relationship uh, more important than the private one. Um, So anyway, When all of our righteous acts are public, our relationship with God is like that unhealthy marriage where we only have our spouse with us uh, when we're in public. Um, There needs to be some unseen righteousness in our lives, righteousness that has nothing to do with anyone else's approval except God's. As I was thinking about this passage this week, it hit me that... One of the really beautiful things about what Jesus is saying here is that God really does want a genuine close relationship with us. The creator of the universe says, stop putting on a religious performance. Stop caring about what everybody else is thinking and take some time to get away from everybody, close your door and talk to me. And when you think about it, that is an amazing invitation. And that kind of spiritual practice, Jesus says, that that practice produces a reward that far surpasses any kind of public approval. It far surpasses thousands of Facebook likes and retweets and hearts on Instagram. It's better than the approval that comes from a perfectly timed virtue signal. It produces a reward that is so much better than all of those things. And that's the reward that we should be seeking. So here's the bottom line. Okay. If we want to have a healthy public faith, you know, where our light shines before people and they are are amazed and they praise God for what they see, if we're going to do that, we have to have a private faith too. We need to have unseen righteousness amen amen